Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. <laughs> no, no. No sit-down interviews with Joe Biden. Not ever and definitely not in the studio. He got a little handsy with me back in 92 and I haven't forgiven him yet. Ass. The following podcast contains... Profanity, food jokes, and tired comedy references. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asked a simple question. When you said it wasn't a crime because he was too stupid to commit the crime, what the hell were you thinking? I am your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, April 26, 2019. All we are saying is give impeachment a chance edition of the show, where we finally talk about the Mueller report and its repercussions. Stay tuned. What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Incompetence, your best defense against prosecution. Are you a corrupt, self-dealing, grafting huckster with no morals and a total absence of human decency and worried about legal prosecution? Try Incompetence. With Incompetence, you commit all sorts of crimes and never face the consequences because you never actually do the crime. Incompetence provides a shield by acts of bumbling stupidity that allow you to come right up to the edge of the crime that you want to do, but then don't do it because you fucked up before the crime went through. It doesn't matter what the crime is, you can hire a hitman to murder someone, but later find out your cousin just took the money and lost it at the Indian casino and never even tried to commit the crime, and incompetence saves the day again. When you want to be bad but are too dumb to do it, incompetence is right for you. The conduct of a presidential campaign, a candidate, and a president, ultimately, that amounts to a heap of shameful, unpatriotic, and unethical conduct, where the president sought Russian interference, he received Russian interference, he benefited from Russian interference, and he rewarded Russian interference. Now, whether the special counsel concluded at the end of the day that somebody like Don Jr. did not have the mental capacity, and I use that that term specifically to commit a crime because he didn't have the intent, because he didn't understand politics, whatever the basis for saying that a crime wasn't committed, that's important to know. It doesn't fundamentally change the trajectory of us arriving at this moment in late April of 2019, mm-hmm. where for nearly two years, the country has had, had to undergo this, this I think, trauma, yeah. a trauma of, of a, a president who, is, who has done this with, with the knowledge that the Russians could have leverage over American foreign policy. Well, you know so back when I was an Air Force cop, I'm driving around one night, it's about 3 a.m., and I pull up on this car sitting in the parking lot of the NCO club on the base. The lights were on, the engine was running, and the left blinker was flashing, but the car wasn't moving. So I get out my patrol car, I walk up to find the driver passed out behind the wheel. He'd even use so much as flinch when I tapped the windows, and had the door hadn't not been unlocked, it'll take breaking the window to get his attention. Needless to say, dude was just shit face. It took three of us to drag his drunk ass from behind the wheel and down to the station for processing. Months later, when the case goes to trial, dude shows up in court without a lawyer. Oh, no, 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 that, that's the worst idea I ever heard. Yeah, never be your own lawyer, because when you're your own lawyer, you got a fool for a client. 
So during the trial, I get up on the stand. I lay out the facts as they took place, including that once we managed to get him awake to take the breathalyzer, he blew two and a half times the legal limit. It was by any account an open and shut case. But Clarence fucking Darrow had what he imagined was an ironclad legal defense. He stood up and told the judge there was no way he could possibly be guilty of driving under the influence as he was, quote, so drunk he forgot how to put the car in drive, unquote. That's what you're going with? The judge, to her credit, tried to get Clarence to go with a different track, but he stuck with it. He argued that the entire case, in fact, should be thrown out because he was so intoxicated that he has no idea what was going on, and none of this could be held against him, legally speaking. When it was all said and done, the judge asked him one question. Mr. Darrow, when you got in your car that night, was it your intention to drive home? Clarence replied, of course, Your Honor, but I I couldn't because I was so drunk. The judge sighed, shook her head, and promptly pronounced him guilty and... They locked his ass up. What shitty Clarence Darrow didn't realize was that to be convicted of a crime, three things need to happen in court. There needs to be a criminal act, criminal intent, and the act and intent must happen in conjunction. To wit, when Clarence went out to his car intending to drive home, knowing he was shit-faced, then got behind the wheel and turned the engine of the car on, he committed the act of operating the vehicle, and that was concurrence. What are you, a lawyer? No, no, I'm not a lawyer, but... uh... I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. What I'm saying is, if dude had went out to the parking lot and climbed in the back seat and fell asleep, no crime. Hell, if he'd just gotten into his car and fell asleep without the engine running, he probably would have gotten off. I probably wouldn't have arrested him. I've given him a ride home. But his intent to drive was demonstrated by the engine, the blinker, and by his own admission. So, guilty, motherfucker. All of this brings me to a different kind of guilty motherfucker, Donald J. Trump and the report of the special counsel on the Russian interference of the 2016 election, and as to the issue of whether or not the president obstructed justice, despite the fact every American with a brain cell says, We all saw you do it. A redacted version of the full report was released last week by the attorney general, and its contents were, uh, Unfortunately, I'm not shocked. As by and large, it confirmed everything the press has reported about Trump, Russia, and obstruction over the past two years. Also completely unshocking was that the Attorney General had undersold the conclusions in a summary letter issued a few weeks prior. We need the whole report, including the underlying documents, unredacted. The 448-page report details an aggressive and ultimately successful attempt by Vladimir Putin to interfere in the 2016 election and destabilize the United States. I have nothing to do with Russia. I know from having been on the campaign that there was no contact with Russians, no discussion with Russians. But the report lays out scores of links between the Russian government and the Trump campaign, among them. Campaign chairman Paul Manafort regularly shared polling data with a Russian intelligence agent and received a peace plan for Ukraine that Manafort acknowledged to the special counsel's office was a backdoor way for Russia to control part of eastern Ukraine. Then there are the ties between the Trump campaign and WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks! I love WikiLeaks! The report details advanced knowledge of WikiLeaks releases by members of the campaign, including the president, who is described as taking a phone call and then telling Deputy Campaign Chair Rick Gates that more releases of damaging information would be coming. There was the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting, when Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort met with Russians to get dirt on Hillary Clinton. 
And remember this. To be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. In fact, there were many contacts arranged at the highest levels, including a meeting in the Seychelles Islands between the head of Russia's sovereign wealth fund and Trump ally Eric Prince. On obstruction, Mueller lays out 10 possible episodes, including the firing of FBI Director James Comey, the president's attempt to get Attorney General Jeff Sessions to unrecuse himself. He took the job and then he said, I'm going to recuse myself. I said, what kind of a man is this? And telling White House counsel Don McGahn to fire Mueller. McGahn refused, telling then-Chief of Staff Reince Priebus that the president had asked him to do crazy ass. And for those of you playing at home, crazy ass stands for crazy shit. As you know, unless you live under a rock, and if you do, do you have space for me to join you there? Despite laying out all that damning information, it does not call for charges against the president, his dumbass kids, or any other member of his clan of shitheads on either issue with the Russians or attempting to obstruct justice. Why is this? I can only summarize it thusly. Reasons. What reasons? You know, reasons. Stuff. Shit like that. The actual answer, of course, is more complicated and is hotly debated by people who hotly debate things like special counsel's reports for a living, and I am not one of those people. I do a podcast where I make dick jokes and drink whiskey while trying to take insanely complicated topics and explain them in a simple and concise way without actually knowing what the fuck I'm talking about. But at least I'm an honest asshole. So let me break down the rationale behind Mueller's reasoning. As to the issue of coordination with Russia, Mueller clearly found that such coordination took place, but he could not establish that such conduct was criminal. It was sleazy, unethical, dishonest, highly dubious, and goes, every against, every goes against everything we consider to be honorable actions of a human being, but did not rise to the level of being a crime. You say that like it's a bad thing. I mean, at least we now know the Trump campaign was a reprehensible, and at least they were too fucking stupid to actually be in cahoots with a full hostile foreign power to win the election, so I, I guess we got that going for us. And look, when all of this started, I said that if Mueller couldn't find the dirt, I would accept his findings because he's a professional with an impeccable reputation. So if Bob Mueller says Trump was too big of a shithead to actually do crimes and conspiracy with Putin, then I for one accept that the fetid arch dingleberry on the national asshole is too moronic to conclude. As to the obstruction of justice part, that's a bit more complicated. You see, Mueller outlines 10 specific incidents that could be considered obstruction of justice, but it does not make a determination on whether or not they are obstruction of justice. You had, like, one job to do here! Actually, no, it really it wasn't his job to make that determination. His job was to investigate and present the findings to the Attorney General and Congress, and it's their job to decide whether or not these findings support taking action. Now, the Attorney General has said, of course, it's not obstruction of justice because there was no crime vis-a-vis -vis the Russian thing, so there can't be any obstruction of justice for a crime that wasn't committed. Uh, that's not exactly true. Yeah, 
Ask Martha Stewart because in 2004, she was convicted of lying, conspiracy, and obstruction of justice on an insider stock trading deal. The thing is, the underlying charge of insider trading was actually dismissed against Stewart, meaning that she was convicted of obstruction for charges that no longer existed. Stewart was just the highest profile target of something that happens all the time. It's a typical, in a typical case of Trumpian irony, Trump has even floated the idea of pardoning Stewart because, you know, it's America. Of course, Barr is standing on a policy that says that the sitting president cannot be indicted for federal crimes because, you know, reasons. Ah, jeez, it's not this shit again. It's a long-held position that while in office, the president is basically immune from federal prosecution. It was laid out for the first time in 1833 by a guy named Joseph Stories in a book called Commentaries on the Constitution of the United States, where he said, quote, There are incidental powers belonging to the executive department which are necessarily implicit from the nature of the functions, which are confided to it. Among these must necessarily be included the power to perform them without any obstruction or impediment whatsoever. The president cannot, therefore, be liable to arrest, imprisonment, or detention while he is in discharge of the duties of his office, unquote. The ostensible reason is thus. The president is a very busy person and sometimes does things which could be considered in contraventions of the law. Like, I don't know, say, uh, authorizing the torture of prisoners in a Cuban prison camp, which, uh, if one, which if he could be prosecuted for while in office, he might not otherwise be able to do, meaning that those prisoners would just have to, I don't know, have to go untortured or something. Yeah, and that's a good thing, because that would be a crime. Also, and this is important, it's because the Constitution provides a method to remove the president from office if he commits a crime, like, I don't know, say, obstructing justice, and then he could be prosecuted. So don't worry, torturing those prisoners is still just fine. Indeed, obstruction of justice was the underlying reason for both Nixon and Clinton in their little moments in the shitter. So, if the Attorney General can't or won't indict the President, then it falls to Congress to make the determination whether or not the information provided in the Mueller report reaches the levels of high crimes and misdemeanors. What does that even mean? whatever Congress wants it to mean. Honestly, it's never really explained because apparently the framers assumed we would just know or it wasn't important. They were busy dudes, all right? They had slaves to fucking divvy up for three-fifths of a human being, and why are we even bringing up old stuff? Now, Congress has to decide what to do with the information, and they're like the dog that finally caught the car had been chasing who suddenly realizes he can't do anything with a car. He's a dog. Doesn't even have a valid driver license, and honestly, if he wanted to get somewhere, he should have just taken an Uber. There are two factions in the House of Representatives who have the responsibility of deciding to initiate articles of impeachment, and both Democrat factions, by the way. There are those in the House who feel that when you did the kind of things the president has clearly did, their legal, moral, and constitutional duty is to initiate said impeachment. Then there are the Democrats who realize that if they do start the proceedings, things may not go well. And the problem is, both sides are right. From an article on Vox.com this week saying, quote, Pursuing articles of impeachment against Trump would be politically explosive. Democrats know the Republican-led Senate under Mitch McConnell won't take this next step after impeachment, a trial in the, center, in the Senate, and they doubt the public would support them. In March, just 36% of voters polled by CNN supported impeachment. That number dropped to 34% after the Mueller's report's release, according to a morning consult poll released Monday, unquote. 
But at the same time, Representative Adam Schiff of the House Intelligence Committee said, quote, the obstruction of justice in this case is far worse than anything Richard Nixon did, Schiff said during an ABC News interview this weekend. The level of evidence in the Mueller report is serious and damning and in normal circumstances would be without question within the realm of impeachable offenses, unquote. From the purely political side, this is already a dead issue. Even if the House holds hearings, digs up evidence, and presents testimony that conclusively proves that Trump climbed up on the cross and drove the nails into Jesus' arms himself, the GOP-controlled Senate will never vote to remove him from, from office, and the GOP pace, which is all essentially dead end for Trump, will quickly, 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 quickly adopt the chant. Nail him up, our son! Nail some sense into him! Because come to find out Jesus was Jewish and was clearly part of the globalist conspiracy and is probably being paid by George Soros. Also, he was brown. Aside from the young progressives in the House and so far Elizabeth Warren and maybe Kamala Harris, Democrats are stepping lightly around the I-word because they feel it would be more damaging to pursue it than it would be to use Trump's corruption and incompetence as a rally for the base and to raise money in 2020. The common wisdom is that unless there is a clear majority clamoring for Trump to be removed, the best path forward is to beat him at the ballot box in 2020. And this is a very practical position. It is the best political option and in a process that is nothing but politics, perhaps the only option. For Pelosi and Schumer, trying and failing is a surefire to way, way to lose every person, every personal middle America voter, the sacrosanct white working class voter. They feel they need to take back the White House in 2020, and they are very likely right. I see their point. I even, I even have to agree. They have a point. In a political matter, play the smart top politics and win the long game. But. No but, no but. But there is a but, and that but is about a moral and ethical question. But this is politics. I think writer Jamel Bowie said it best in the New York Times when he said, quote, the symbolic and practical aside, there's also a real question of our constitutional order. Either the president is above the law or he isn't. Voters can't determine this. Elections aren't actually the venue for adjudicating that kind of conflict. This is a job for our elective representative in Congress. And if the House Democrats believe that Trump has violated the Constitution, they have an obligation to act on that belief, even if conviction in the Senate is impossible under current political circumstances. Elijah Cummins, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, made this point on Sunday in an interview on Face the Nation. Even if we did not win, possibly if there were not impeachment... I think history would smile upon us for standing up for the Constitution, he said, unquote. There is a clear and compelling case the President of the United States has met the threshold as it has been established and applied historically to impeach many times over. He is in violation of his oath the second he took the oath on the emoluments clause alone, and he has consistently and personally profited from his position. And he has been named in felony campaign finance violations by paying hush money to Stormy Daniels. He has committed tax fraud to cover up the transfer of his father's wealth to him and the family in an ongoing and refusal to release his tax returns huh, strongly implicates that there are other tax legalities potentially ongoing and not to mention his policy huh, of kidnapping children from their parents and coming across the border. Huh. Donald J. Trump has committed publicly egregious violations of the public trust huh, and demonstrated his utter lack of fitness huh, to be the President of the United States huh, and should be impeached and removed from office and tried in federal court for his myriad crimes. To do any less, you might as well go down to the National 
judicial archives, open up the case where they keep the original copy of the Constitution, and let Trump wipe his nasty orange asshole on it. And I get a Are we not a country of laws, brothers and sisters? Did not our founding fathers create a nation where decent and honorable folk agree that justice and right are the measure by which we show our greatness? If we let this man commit his sins in the people's house and bring us to the brink of ruin, <laughs> well, Lincoln drove the Union together, where Roosevelt lifted us up from the brink of ruin, where William Howard Taft got his fat ass stuck in that bathtub. If we let this man get away with that we are not better than he is we are all sinners in front of justice and we are all just as guilty sorry i i went full gospel there for a second all i'm saying is that robert Mueller put all of his cards on the table now Barr took a bunch of those cards and hid them and who knows what the fuck is on them but we now know that pretty much what we already knew is true so what do we do with that information now? It's really up to us. Remember a couple of years ago when we all marched in the streets and forced our politicians to do things like save our health care or not violate the constitutions by banning people on the basis of religion from coming into the country? Well, if we decided we wanted impeachment proceedings, maybe that's something we might could do again. I'm not an activist, I'm a podcaster, but if we the people would like the rule of law to, I don't know, mean something, maybe now would be a good time for us to speak up about it instead of letting the fucking old fuckers with landlines answer the questions for us. And I'm under no delusion that Trump will be convicted or removed from office for that to happen. The Republican Party would need to grow a soul in the coal black hit where that would need to happen and it's hardly fertile ground in the party of trump mitch mcconnell will marshal all of his power and he's the most powerful man in the fucking capital right now he's the most powerful creature in the abyss to be sure and make sure that the trial is a farce in the senate but we have to pretend at least that the law means something or this whole experiment is done and over with and i know that rich and powerful people get away with this shit every goddamn day in this country but they shouldn't be allowed to to do it. They shouldn't be allowed to in general, but they certainly shouldn't be allowed to do it so badly, so publicly, and with such stupidity. I mean, at least George W. Bush faked reasons for reward and condoned torture in private. He did that in secret. And you're going to hear a lot more about what should be done in the coming weeks and months, and you should definitely keep your expectations low. I mean, think how low your expectations are right now and take them way down from there. But it's clear to me that we cannot take impeachment off the table because we won't win. When the GOP impeached Clinton, he was a popular president and got more popular after that when they failed. But you know what? That didn't stop the GOP from keeping Congress and winning the White House in 2000. Ask those dudes that got tortured in Gitmo if you don't know the answer how the GOP fared. So the bad politics excuse really doesn't fly with me because Trump is a fuck ton less popular than Bill Clinton. And Bill's worst approval are pretty much Trump's best approvals day to day. And by dragging all of his dirty laundry out in the, for the public to see, it hurt Al Gore just enough to keep him out of the White House. 
Less than 500 votes in fucking Florida. That's all we need here, people. We don't need to go big on Trump to go home. We just need to hurt him enough so that we get him the fuck out of the White House in 2020. And no one should believe there will be easy answers, that holding hearings will be some fix to the problem that is America in 2019. We're a bitterly divided and deeply broken nation that quite honestly doesn't like each other very much. Trump is but a single tumor of the deeper cancer that can only be treated by systemic change, a balancing of the scales of opportunity for everyone in this country. And that will be painful, and it will take a long time. But still, he's a tumor that can be removed by careful surgery and by and holding the hearings, and if necessary, zapping his ass with the radiation for the impeachment process. It will keep him from growing bigger and spreading his disease further into the body politic. That alone is sufficient reason to move forward. And like chemotherapy or surgery, it will do its own damage and the side effects are terrible and it might even kill us as a country. But leaving him untreated will absolutely kill us. And based on absolutely dying or maybe dying, I will take the fucking medicine of impeachment any fucking time. That is it for our show this week. I told you we get to the Mueller report and whenever I ever lied to you. I mean, aside from all the bullshit stories that I tell and I make up about my childhood to be entertaining, and that one time I told you I was booted off Dancing with the Stars because I kept grabbing Rick Perry's junk, that never happened. I was never on Dancing with the Stars, and the only time I ever tried to grab Rick Perry's junk was in an Applebee's in Austin. So, you know, come to find out, it wasn't even that Rick Perry. Speaking of Applebee's, bland, tasteless, and wrong, rate and review this show wherever you get your podcast. It will help others find this bland, tasteless, and wrong show and maybe get their junk grabbed in a chain restaurant. Who knows? All of my Bloomin' Onion thoughts are on both on the Outback Steakhouse restroom and on Twitter at the Hell underscore podcast. All of our baby back, baby back, baby back shows are at Chili's and at whatthehellpodcast.com and the show name on SoundCloud. So for me, Dave, I prefer Golden Corral Bledsoe producer. Do they still have Luby's Cafeterias, Gavin? And all the fictional Bob's big boy patrons on this show, we want to say everybody talking about indictments, enticements, and molies and pardons. But all we are saying is give impeachment a chance. We'll see you all next week. for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.